The Last Battle, Chapter 3 The Ape in Its Glory Those of you who are listening, forgive me if the voices aren't always consistent. I am doing my best to make sure that every time I do a character voice, it is exactly the same as it was the last time I did it. Master Horse! Master Horse! said Tyrion, as he hastily cut its traces. How came these aliens to enslave you? Is Narnia conquered? Has there been a battle? No, sire, panted the horse. Aslan is here. It is by his orders. He has commanded... Where danger, king, said Jewel. Tyrion looked up and saw that Kalormans, mixed with a few talking beasts, were beginning to run toward them from every direction. The two dead men had died without a cry, and so it had taken a moment before the rest of the crowd knew what had happened. But now they did. Most of them had scimitars in their hands. Quick, on my back, said Jewel. The king flung himself astride of his old friend and turned and galloped away. He changed direction twice or thrice as soon as they were out of sight of their enemies, crossed a stream, and shouted without slackening his pace. Whither away, sire, to care, Pervel? Hold hard, friend, said Tyrion. Let me off. He slid off the unicorn's back and faced him. Jewel, said the king. We have done a dreadful thing. We were sorely provoked, said Jewel. But to leap on them, unawares, without defying them, while they were unarmed, oh, we are murderers, Jewel. I am dishonored forever. Jewel dropped his head. He, too, was ashamed. And then, said the king, the horse said it was by Aslan's orders. And the rat said the same. And they all say that Aslan is here. How, if this were true? But, sire, how could Aslan be commanding such dreadful things? He is not a tame lion, said Tyrion. How should we know what he would do? We... Who are murderers, Jewel? I will go back. I will give up my sword and put myself in the hands of these Kalorman and ask that they bring me before Aslan. Let him do justice on me. You will go to your death then, said Jewel. Do you think I care if Aslan dooms me to death, said the king? That would be nothing, nothing at all. Would it not be better to be dead than to have this horrible fear that Aslan has come and is not like the Aslan we have believed in and longed for? It is as if the sun rose one day and were a black sun. I know, said Jewel, or as if you drank water and it were dry water. You are in the right, sire. This is the end of all things. Let us go and give ourselves up. There's no need for both of us to go. 
If ever we loved one another, let me go with you now, said the unicorn. And if you are dead, and if Aslan is not Aslan, what life is there left for me? They turned and walked back together, shedding bitter tears. As soon as they came to the place where the work was going on, the Kalormans raised a cry and came toward them with their weapons in their hand. But the king held out his sword with the hilt toward them and said, I, who was king of Narnia, and am now a dishonored knight, give myself up to the justice of Aslan. Bring me before him. And I give myself up too, said Jewel. Then the dark men came round in the thick crowd, smelling of garlic and onions, their white eyes flashing dreadfully in their brown faces. They put a rope around Jewel's neck. They took the king's sword away and tied his hands behind his back. One of the Kalormans, who had a helmet instead of a turban and seemed to be in command, snatched the gold circlet off Tyrion's head and hastily put it away somewhere among his clothes. They led the two prisoners uphill to a place where there was a big clearing, and this was what the prisoners saw. At the center of the clearing, which was also the highest point of the hill, there was a little hut like a stable with a thatched roof. Its door was shut. On the grass in front of the door, there sat an ape. Tyrion and Jewel, who had been expecting to see Aslan and had heard nothing about an ape yet, were very bewildered when they saw it. The ape, of course, was Shift himself, but he looked ten times uglier than when he lived by Cauldron Pool, for he was now dressed up. He was wearing a scarlet jacket which did not fit him very well, having made been made for a dwarf. He had jeweled slippers on his hind paws, which would not stay on properly because, as you know, hind paws of an ape are really like hands. He wore what seemed to be a paper crown on his head. There was a great pile of nuts beside him, and he kept cracking nuts with his jaw and spitting out the shells, and he kept on pulling up the scarlet jacket to scratch himself. A number of talking beasts stood facing him, and nearly every face in the crowd looked miserably worried and bewildered. When they saw who the prisoners were, they all groaned and whimpered. Oh, Lord Shift, mouthpiece of Aslan, said the chief Kalorman. We bring you prisoners by our skill and courage, and by the permission of the great god Tash, we have taken alive these two desperate murderers. Give me the man's sword, said the ape. So they took the king's sword and handed it, with the sword belt and all, to the monkey. And he hung it round his own neck and made him look sillier still. We'll see about those two later, said the ape, spitting out a shell in the direction of the two prisoners. I've got some other business first. They can wait. Now listen to me, everyone. 
The first thing I want to say is about nuts. Where's the head squirrel got to? Here, sir, said a red squirrel, coming forward and making a nervous little bow. Oh, you are, are you? said the ape with a nasty look. Now attend to me. I want, I mean, <clears throat> Aslan wants some more nuts. These you've brought aren't anything like enough. You must bring some more. Do you hear? Twice as many. And they've got to be here by sunset tomorrow, and there mustn't be any bad ones or any small ones among them. A murmur of dismay ran through the other squirrels, and the head squirrel plucked up the courage to say, Please, would Aslan himself speak to us about it, if we might be allowed to see him? Well, you won't, said the ape. He may be very kind, though it's a lot more than most of you deserve, and come out for a few minutes tonight, and then you can all have a look at him. But he will not have you all crowding round him and pestering him with questions. Anything you want to say to him will be passed on through me, and if I think it's worth bothering him about. In the meantime, all you squirrels had better go and see about the nuts and make sure that they are here by tomorrow evening, or my word, you'll catch it. The poor squirrels all scampered away as if a dog were after them. This new order was terrible news for them. The nuts they had carefully hoarded for the winter had nearly all been eaten by now, and a few that were left they had already given to the ape far more than they could spare. Then a deep voice, it belonged to a great tusked and shaggy boar, spoke from another part of the crowd. But why can't we see Aslan properly and talk to him? it said. When he used to appear in Narnia in the old days, everyone could talk to him face to face. Don't you believe it? said the ape. And even if it were true, times have changed. Aslan says he's been far too soft with you before. Do you see? Well, he isn't going to be soft anymore. He's going to lick you into shape this time. He'll teach you to think he's a tame lion. A low moaning and whimpering was heard among the beasts. And after that, a dead silence, which was more miserable still. And now there's another thing you've got to learn, said the ape. I hear some of you are saying I'm an ape. Well, I'm not. I'm a man. If I look like an ape, that's because I'm so very old. Hundreds and hundreds of years old. And it's because I'm so old, I'm so wise. And it's because I'm so wise, I am the only one Aslan is ever going to speak to. He can't be bothered talking to a lot of stupid animals. He'll tell me what you've got to do, and I'll tell the rest of you. And take my advice. If you take my advice, and see you do it in double-quick time, for he doesn't mean to stand for any nonsense. There was dead silence, except for the noise of a very young badger crying to its mother, trying to keep quiet. And now there's another thing, said the ape, fitting a fresh nut into its cheek. I hear some of the horses are saying, 
Let's hurry up and get this job of carting timber over as quickly as we can, and then we will be free again. Well, you can get that idea out of your heads at once. And not only the horses either. Everybody who can work is going to be made to work in the future. Aslan has it all settled with the king of the Kalorman, the Tisrock, as our dark-faced friends of Kalormans call him. All you horses and bulls and donkeys are to be sent down to Kalorman to work for your living, pulling and carrying the way all horses and such like do in other countries. And all you digging animals, like moles and rabbits and dwarves, are going down to work in the Tisrock's mines, and no, no, howled the beasts. It can't be true. Aslan would never sell us into slavery. None of that. Hold your noise said the ape with a snarl. Who said anything about slavery? You won't be slaves. You'll be paid. Very good wages, too. That is to say, your pay will be paid into Aslan's treasury, and he will use it all for everyone's good. Then he glanced and almost winked at the chief Kalorman. The Kalorman bowed and replied in the pompous Kalorman way, most sapient mouthpiece of Aslan. The Tisrock, may he live forever, is wholly of one mind with your lordship and this judicious plan. There, you see, said the ape, it's all arranged and all for your own good. We'll be able, with the money you earn, to make Narnia a country worth living in. There'll be oranges and bananas pouring in, and roads, and big cities, and schools, and offices, and whips, and muzzles, and saddles, and cages, and kennels, and prisons, and, oh, everything. But we don't want all those things, said an old bear. We want to be free, and we want to hear Aslan speak himself. Now don't you start arguing, said the ape, for it's a thing I won't stand. I'm a man. And you're only a fat, stupid bear. What do you know about freedom? You think freedom means doing what you like. Well, you're wrong. That isn't true freedom. True freedom means doing what I tell you. Huh? Grunted the bear and scratched his head. It found this sort of thing very hard to understand. Please, please, said the high voice of a woolly lamb, who was so young that everyone was surprised that he dared to speak up at all. What is it now? cried the ape. Be quick. Please, said the lamb. I, I can't understand. What have we to do with the Kalormans? We belong to Aslan, and they belong to Tash. They have a god called Tash. They say he has four arms and the head of a vulture. They kill men on his altar. I don't believe there's any such person as Tash. But if there was... How could Aslan be friends with him? All the animals turned their heads sideways and all their bright eyes flashed toward the ape. They knew it was the best question anyone had asked yet. The ape jumped up and spat at the lamb. Baby, he hissed, silly little bleeder, go home to your mother and drink milk. What do you understand of such things? But the others, listen, Tash is only another name for Aslan. 
All that old idea of us being right and the Kalormans wrong is silly. We know better now. The Kalormans use a different word, but we all mean the same thing. Tash and Aslan are only two different names for you know who. That's why we there can never be any quarrel between them. Get that into your heads, you stupid brutes. Tash is Aslan. Aslan is Tash. You know how sad your own dog's face can look sometimes. Think of that, and then think of all the faces of those talking beasts, all those honest, humble, bewildered birds, bears. Badgers, rabbits, moles, and mice, all far sadder than ever. Every tail was down, every whisker drooped. It would have broken your heart with very pity to see their faces. There was only one who did not look at all unhappy. It was a ginger cat, a great big Tom in the prime of his life, who sat bolt upright with his tail curled around his toes in the very front of all the beasts. He had been staring hard at the ape and the Kalorman captain all the time and had never once blinked his eyes. Excuse me, said the cat very politely, but this interests me. Does your friend from Kalorman say the same? Assuredly, said the Kalorman. The enlightened ape, <clears throat> man, I mean, is in the right. Aslan means neither less nor more than Tash. Especially Aslan means no more than Tash, questioned the cat. No more at all, said the Kalorman, looking the cat straight in its face. Is that good enough for you, Ginger, said the ape. Oh, certainly, said Ginger coolly. Thank you very much. I only wanted to be quite clear. I think I am beginning to understand. Up till now, the king and Jewel had said nothing. They were waiting until the ape should bid them to speak, for they thought it was no use interrupting. But now, as Tyrion looked round, on the miserable faces of the Narnians, and saw how they would all believe that Aslan and Tash were one and the same, he could bear it no longer. Ape, he cried with a great voice, you lie! You lie like a Kalorman. You lie like an ape. He meant to go on and ask how the terrible god Tash, who fed on the blood of his people, could possibly be the same as the good lion by whose blood all of Narnia was saved. If he had been allowed to speak, the rule of the ape might have ended that day. The beasts might have seen the truth and thrown the ape down. But before he could say another word, two Kalormans struck him in the mouth with all their force, and a third from behind kicked his feet from under him. And as he fell... The ape squealed in rage and terror. Take him away! Take him away! Take him where he cannot hear us, nor we hear him. Then tie him to a tree. I will, uh, <clears throat> I mean Aslan, will do justice on him later.